0: G'day and welcome to the Beyond the Message podcast. Hey, it is great to have you here listening today. My name is Lockie, and I'm the host of this experience and really my job is to help guide those 167 hours beyond Sunday or beyond the message so that you can grow in your faith all throughout the week. Now today, Chris Podlick and I, we sit down and we unpack the second part of a new series called Reclaiming Irresistible. And we say that in order to reclaim irresistible, we need to let go of the old and take hold of the new. So we unpack the themes of covenant and we get to the bottom of some New Testament themes that are really key to this whole Christian message. We really hope you enjoy this episode and make sure you head to our website for more resources to do with this series. Well, Chris, welcome to another episode of the Beyond the Message podcast and I'm super excited because it's in the title, we're going beyond the message and generally every week we just take you, you know, behind the curtains of the message and more so the the written part or the spoken part of the message. We want to get deeper into the content, but today, Chris, I've got a hot scoop. Okay. And, you know, this, this one does rely on, on an in-person experience, um, so I'll try and do my best to explain it. If you weren't there on Sunday... Um, but Chris, should I let you explain the outfit first Before I get into the, uh, the beyond kind of like portion of this well, segment Well,
1: here's, here's the thing Is that it was actually different from the, for the 10am and the 6pm, the outfit Well Because I had the same blazer I had this disgusting looking blazer on That I actually, it's like, it's too small for me And I bought it from an op shop Because I had to go as an old person to a lawn bowls
0: party Um, so that's the origin of the blazer. I've got the exact picture in my head. Yeah. Like I know I saw it, but I can pick. I know. I had
1: slippers and long socks when I went to play lawn bowls. (laughs) I rocked it. But then, um, yeah. So in the morning uh, at the 10 AM, I just, uh, I just had a t-shirt underneath and I just took the blazer off as part of the illustration. But then people came up to me afterwards and they're like, oh, we kind of thought the blazer went with the shirt. Um, so then I decided (laughs) to get a disgusting Hawaiian shirt to put underneath the blazer at the 6 p.m. And then the permanent fixture for both of them, obviously, was the blazer and the Crocs, but not just any Crocs, they were adventure Crocs.
0: They were adventure Crocs. And look, the theme behind this, the reason you did this is because we're talking about things that don't quite work together and how we mix and match. But we will talk about that more as the podcast goes on. So that there's the scene being set. Yep. And then, Chris, you gave a few examples of things that don't match, you know, orange juice and toothpaste. Yep. Um, introverts and social situations and and then you said you know you gave a very clear look to yourself and said this outfit and then specifically you said or just anything with crocs yes now the thing okay the thing i need to unpack here is that as you said crocs doesn't go with anything Hmm. the whole crowd just agreed whether they nodded or they went amen brother Hmm. and they Hmm. went of course Particularly, someone in the crowd fully, fully agreed, and and they were they were in they were the most vocal of them all. Chris, you know who I'm talking about. Can you refresh my memory? It's your mum.
1: Oh, my mum!
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Goodness now the gracious. the
0: added element to this story is that the Crocs weren't yours. All right, you borrowed them from a, a dear person in your life, and so despite while your mum,
1: despite the fact that the six pm our awesome host who shall remain nameless slammed me, (laughs) (laughs) slammed me.
0: It was great. But
1: no, the Crocs do
0: belong to someone in my family that's not my mum or me. And hilarious, your mum was agreeing saying, yes, Crocs are the worst the worst. Why would anyone ever own them? Not knowing that those Crocs were in fact your brothers.
1: And here's here's just a little, again, this is not relevant to the message, but it is an exclusive. (laughs) It's a BTM exclusive. Is it, I think my brother knows this, and here's how I know that, is because when he ordered the Crocs, he got them delivered to my house because no. he knew if his wife got them first, she would throw them in the bag.
0: <laughs> They're a particularly um, loud pair of Crocs, um, but but we love them. We love them. We love uh, you know all that JP brings to the table, including his fashion sense, when it comes to people who
1: wear Crocs too.
0: (laughs) I just thought that was a a nice little, uh, again, beyond the message exclusive, behind the message. In fact, some added added details there. Um, But Chris, we're talking about part two of this series called Reclaiming Irresistible. And um, we talked about in order to reclaim irresistible, we need to let go of the old and take hold of the new. And so, Chris, how about we get diving straight into our questions for today? Because on the weekend, you talked about this idea of covenants And I wanted to ask you today to kind of get us going here um, about those covenants and how we've mixed and matched the old and the new covenant. And I don't know if you, um, I'm sure you've uncovered this in your research, putting this series together, but can you just make us aware of the effect that that has had on the modern day church and really how we all actually view Jesus like today in the 21st century?
1: Yeah, well, I'll start, I'll start with people outside the church and, like I was actually having, I was having after the 6 p.m., I was having dinner with someone who's um, kind of new to the beyond community, wouldn't consider themselves a Christian. One of the things they said to me, there was like, oh, I actually didn't know there was like covenants. Like I didn't get that the Old Testament, and the New Testament were kind of arranged around covenants. And they were like, for the first time in my life, I finally kind of get why it doesn't make sense to say, oh, you're a Christian. What about all this stuff? All the like the stuff about sacrificing animals and stuff. Why don't you still do that? He's like, now I get that it's a new covenant. So I don't know. Yeah, whether Christians haven't done a great enough job of making it clear to people that there's there was something old, this old covenant, and now there's something new. Um, or I don't know whether Christians just don't know themselves and aren't clear on that themselves. And one of the things I kind of highlighted on the weekend, and I think back through my life, and I think it's kind of true. Is that, you know, you went if you grew up in church you went to Sunday school, you heard all the Sunday school stories like Samson and Delilah, you heard about David and Bathsheba, you heard about Noah and the ark and you know, uh, walking around the, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, you heard all those things. But they kind of all just seemed like one continuous story and then Jesus shows up and then Jesus is really nice and then God's nice moving forward. And um, And I don't necessarily think we talk about it in the church a whole lot that, hey, Jesus actually came to do something new. He came to fulfill um, the old covenant. He came to bring something new that at Passover, when Jesus said, this is my body and my blood of the new covenant, what he did was actually incredibly arrogant. Like the the, the the best example I could give of like what Jesus did was if, say for example, I got up at the start of December, just imagine this, the start of December, I get up across all our social media platforms on service and beyond at home. And I go, hey, guys, we're going to have a little bit of a change of plans. This, this December, instead of celebrating Jesus's birthday, it's going to be my birthday. We celebrate <laughs> like effectively. That's what Jesus was doing when he was talking about Passover guys, we're going to stop remembering this. We're going to remember something new. Um, mm-hmm. And I just don't know if we've, yeah, we've really kind of talked about that, which means that as Christians we're kind of like, well, we got Jesus, but then we got the 10 commandments and there are some of those we like. There are some of those we don't like this. And it's just kind of like, yeah, confusing, I think, is the best way to describe it.
0: I mean, is it because it's kind of a difficult concept, like unless it's really explained to you, you're not going to just like innately know it. Is it? Have have we failed to educate or talk about it? Or are we just too scared to talk about it? Or is it too hard? Oh,
1: look, I think it's probably a little bit of the fact that it's, um, again, it goes back to settings. It's like what settings are appropriate to talk about these things? And Honestly, when it comes to old and new covenants, there's a lot of background to understand, like, why they had covenants in the first place and what the purpose of the covenants were and you know what's the difference between a suzerainty treaty and a promissory covenant and all these things um, that sometimes on a Sunday, there's just not enough time to give the context for it. Um, And you'd almost have to kind of give a little bit of a lecture in um, ancient Near Eastern cultures and uh, ancient Israel to understand. it, So so maybe that might be part of it. Um, I, I really don't necessarily know. I think it's part of the idea that you get a Bible and you like, hey, this is all of God's words to all people for all time. And so we just think, great, Genesis mm. to Revelation is true. Um, now, I'm not saying, just in case some listeners get annoyed, I'm not saying that the Bible is not the inspired word of God. I'm not saying that God inspired it all. All I'm saying is it's not all equally applicable to us because the New Testament is for us. That's God's covenant with us. The Old Testament is not for us. That's God's covenant with ancient Israel.
0: Mm. So would you say like this this mix and match view or just a real lack of understanding has affected the modern, you know, like our church and our current Christians or people who haven't yet accepted Jesus in a way um, where we're just a bit unsure. Like we just we just don't really know. And I guess further to that, then how does that actually impact like how we view Jesus? Because I guess... Jesus, no matter what angle you look at it, is central to this whole story and and mm-hmm. is really the centerpiece to everything here. Yeah, you
1: know, I think it kind of challenges a lack of clarity because if you've got Christians and someone comes along and they go, oh, what about the sacrifices, you know, in the Old Testament, why don't you do that anymore? Or, you know, or someone, again, I use the example on the weekend, someone doesn't like tattoos. And so they go, oh, you know, there's that verse in Leviticus about, you know, not marking your body or Deuteronomy or, or wherever it is. <clears throat> And then these people get this confusion. They're like, well, hang on a minute. Why why is it okay to use that as a justification? Yet yet you don't sacrifice animals or you don't do certain other practices. And so it's just, I think it's kind of confusing to people because they're like, how do you know which ones you agree with and which ones you don't? And then do you just cherry pick it? And I don't think a lot of Christians necessarily know. Like, they're like, oh, Jesus was the fulfillment of the old covenant. Yeah. Um, They don't, they're not necessarily aware of the new that he bought because, in their mind, they're like they grew up to be told you should memorize the 10 commandments, you should know them. And most people couldn't probably give you more than four. Um. Yeah,
0: Yeah, there you go. So, we really get it like a we don't get the full picture of Jesus, I guess, without understanding the old and new covenants, but we also get distracted by things that aren't central. Um, that's definitely what I've seen. So, I guess someone that did see this so clearly is Paul, like Paul Mm -hmm. in the New Testament. And what's crazy about that is that he was a, a Jew and a very, um uh, what, what am I, what's the word here? Like a very intense zealous. Jew, yeah. zealous. That's the word I'm looking for. And when he then followed Jesus, he, I guess, was drawing upon his knowledge of the covenants as a Jew and was mm-hmm. able to see that the new covenant and the old covenant did not mix and match. And I kind of have a question, Chris, because I know you love Paul. I know you love looking into the life of yeah. Paul. How come Paul... Was the first to really see this, really understand it, and and share about it. How come everyone else in the time missed it? And I guess how come we still miss it, even though Paul has laid it out for us so clearly in those early new um, early writings of the New Testament.
1: Well, I would say almost um, <clears throat> it wasn't necessarily that Paul Paul was the first to see it because I actually think probably Jesus's closest followers saw it. Um, and probably people who weren't um, Jesus or who weren't Jewish saw it and got it and understood it. Um, <clears throat> the challenge came because the Jews viewed Jesus as an extension of Judaism. They didn't see it as necessarily anything new. They saw it kind of as an extension of Judaism, which in their mind, they're like, okay, if it's an extension of Judaism, therefore you must become a Jew to become a Christian because this is an extension of us. And they didn't quite understand that God had actually kind of come to do something brand new that was now not an invitation just to a nation but an invitation to the whole world. And Paul, I mean I, I don't think we necessarily do justice to just how uh, zealous Paul was for the Jewish faith. I mean this is this is literally a murderer. Mm. This is this liter- is this is a, this is a um, a religious terrorist who was so fundamentalist about their faith that they knew it so intimately it's, it would be effectively the same as, and I think we've said this on the podcast before Osama bin Laden converting to Christianity and then being the key catalyst for the movement growing in our yeah. modern That's just how outlandish Paul was. And so because Paul was a fundamentalist um, he knew often all the ins and outs. And when he became a Jesus follower, all of a sudden it became so clear to him. Wow. This is something new. Cause the, Paul would have had the equivalent of two PhDs um, in our modern society. Like he was a, he was a rabbi. He was a rabbinical lecturer. Um, there was a, a rabbi called Gamaliel who was kind of like the head rabbi of the Pharisees. Paul was second in line to Gamaliel. If Paul didn't become a Christian, Paul would have been like the leader of the Pharisees um, in the temple. And so Paul kind of because he understood that and because um he had that encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus Paul all of a sudden was like oh hang on a minute this is actually the fulfillment of the old which means something new is coming which means it's not an extension but the old is done with now um and so that that made a whole lot of sense to Paul
0: yeah so his background knowledge and cuz I think he mentioned that he would have memorized like the entire old testament oh yeah, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So do you think that we need to like have that deep in knowledge? Like where's the line of the knowledge that we need to have of like old Testament um, scripture? Cause that does apply, you know, to both um, Jews and Christians. That's, that's how Paul um, knew that, that scripture. So Mm -hmm. how how do we interact with that? How much do we need to know? Do we need to be like Paul and (laughs) go through all that, that, um, that process to understand that? Where's that middle ground for us?
1: Well, I kind of look, look, the way that I like to think about it is, is use the Old Testament for motivation and inspiration, but use the New Testament for application. So um, use the Old Testament for, there are great stories in there. It, it documents and it is the word of God in it, and it shows the journey that the nation of Israel went to and it shows God's rede- redemptive plan in history. But again, we're not Jewish, and so we can look at that and we can read it for inspiration. We can read it for motivation. We can take life lessons out of it. But when we're looking for like, what's the standard I judge others by? What's the standard I live by? What am I, now I'm following Jesus. I'm not following the, the old covenant. I'm not following the 10 commandments. I'm not following, um, <clears throat> you know, Jewish law. I'm following Jesus. And so now I want to actually apply the teachings of Jesus. And so I think um, an understanding that Jesus actually came to fulfill and start something uh, and, and bring something new that all the old Testament gives us history to. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind yeah. of, that's kind of the way that, that I would describe it and, and yeah. see it that way.
0: Now that's really helpful. I guess moving on into the new Testament and the new covenant, mm-hmm. which you um, kind of pivoted into over your, your message on the weekend and really talked about, you know, some really central things about what this new covenant looks like with Jesus. And I guess central to it is loving and serving. And I'm, I'm curious because, um, you know, we, we get this incredible freedom alongside Jesus. But then the freedom that we get is really attached or intertwined with idea of loving our neighbor and serving. And, you know, through the, through the New Testament, like serving can look like this extremely sacrificial thing. Sometimes we, you know, that we don't know exactly what serving looks like. But I was just wondering, Chris, why? Um, why is that so embedded into the new covenant, this idea of, of service and love?
1: Well, I think, again, like, so let's, let's look at the, um, the actual covenant. We talked about this idea on the weekend. It's a promissory covenant. And what's, what's interesting is that the covenant that God made with Abraham, uh, sorry, made with Moses at Mount Sinai was a suzerainty treaty. So that's a, a covenant between two unequal powers where it's an I will, if you will. So if the lesser power disobeys then the, the uh the greater power has no reason to follow up it was actually a promissory covenant that god made with abraham so in part one when god said to abraham hey i'm going to bless the nations through you that was a promissory covenant and when they you know we talked about animal sacrifice when um <clears throat> abraham never walked through the middle of those carcasses because god said "No, no no i'm going to do this so this is all on all on me And then uh, when Jesus does that by sacrificing his life to bring in the the new covenant, really what Jesus is is modeling for us is the fact that when you unconditionally love, there is no way you can not serve. Because the idea of unconditional love means that you actually submit and give up your freedoms for the sake of someone else. And so I think in, in our culture, we have this, this idea of freedom is like, I do whatever I want, but unconditional love actually says, because of the unconditional promise I've made to you, I will actually give up my freedoms in order to serve you, right? Regardless of how you respond, that's the key. And so, yeah, I would say that because of, because of the fact that Jesus models this, Jesus actually gives up his freedom. Because when you think about it, um, there's nothing that, that meant, Jesus had to come back. Like God could have easily kind of gone, oh, well, you know what? They buggered up the covenant enough. I told them something new would come, but they've missed their chance. And because this is a promissory covenant, it's unconditional, it's unbreakable. Um, and we take our model from Jesus. And so we give up our own freedom to serve, modeling ourselves of him.
0: Yeah, that's great. Really, really well put. I think that that outlines that so clearly. And we are an application-based podcast. We love talking about um, everything applicable that we could get from the message. So our full Monday, something to do this week, I guess by the time this comes out, it's a full Wednesday, um, yeah. was to think about the things that we're holding on and the things that we need to let go of. And so um, what would you encourage us, Chris? What would you encourage us to let go of this week in light of what we talked about with these covenants and this this freedom to serve and everything that we we talked about on the weekend?
1: Yeah, I think for me, one of the challenges, I think, like if if you want to figure out where to let go of, I would, I would ask, first of all, like I sort of said on the weekend, like the things that are preventing you from loving other people well. Um, And that can really be a lot of relational stuff, you know, like you hold a grudge against your mom or your dad, or, you know, you've refused to forgive that person at work or school or whatever it might be. So that's part of it. The other part of it, I think, is just Christian as Christians in general, um, the consequence of holding on to the old is that we create preferences for ourselves. And then we tend to think those preferences are the way things have to be. So I have to have this kind of worship music and I have to have this kind of preaching and I have to do X, Y, and Z without realizing, you know what, those are actually just preferences. Those are not actually the new that Jesus brought in. Cause remember Paul said, the only thing that counts is faith, expressing itself in love. So if my preferences for how I engage with God in a corporate sense or in a public sense, get in the way of other people embracing what Jesus has, then I have to recognize, you know what? I'm kind of holding on to something old. I'm holding on to something old and I'm making it central because it's not, it's a preference. It's not the most important thing. And so I think this is a constant journey um, for us. And I mean, often if you talk to a lot of unchurched people and you say, Hey, why don't you know, you engage with church. It's either like, oh, I had a bad experience, Or oh, like I kind of went once and it just didn't make any sense. And a lot of it is because the churches have held on to preferences of the way a worship service should be one or the way in which we, um, the model for in- reaching people or the model that we have for teaching. And it's a preference. It's not actually, and, and that preference then gets in the way of people understanding the main thing.
0: Yeah, so good. That really... Helps to just give some um, some really strong handles on that for Monday. So, hope that was a a really really good way you can tangibly apply that to your life this week. Thank you so much, Chris, for for jumping back for part two. I know uh, you are back on for part three. So we got John Ogulo coming in person for the six uh, for the ten a.m. and six p.m. But um, Chris, you'll be on the Beyond the Message podcast. So we're super excited for that next week, followed by part four, wrapping it up with Riley. So so much to look forward to. in in our in-person, online and, um, well, I was gonna say in-person, online, that's kind of our our two things. There's a lot going on in
1: our our community in the next couple of weeks, it's fun.
0: There is, so encourage you to get involved, head to our website, look for more resources, look for ways you can jump in, serve, give and get connected, it's super exciting.